Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. One of the most common questions that I've gotten over the years has to do with, well, we're having marital distress, but my spouse still wants to sleep with me. Now, sometimes that just means sleep, wants to be in the same bed with me. But more often, that question has to do with, my spouse wants to have sex with me. What do you think? Should I or should I not? Hmm. Let's talk about that in this episode of Relationship Radio. This is Relationship Radio, an extension of Marriage Helper International, hosted by renowned marriage and relationship expert, Dr. Joe Beam, and CEO of Marriage Helper, Kimberly Beam Holmes. We answer your questions directly with research-based principles that you can implement immediately. Regardless of the situation, what we teach will not only make your relationships better, but will also help you to become the best version of yourself along the way. Turn up the volume and prepare to take notes as we begin this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Perhaps the most important thing that should be mentioned anytime we talk about deciding to sleep with with your spouse or not sleep with your spouse is that any type of sexual encounter should always be your decision. And that goes for a husband or a wife. Mm-hmm. It is very important that a person never feels that they've been coerced or forced into having sex with someone else. It's also important to realize maybe you shouldn't deny yourself for some things and desires that you have, especially if your spouse is still your spouse. So that's what we're going to be navigating in this episode. And I'm going to be really giving the mic to the sexologist way more often. See, you usually call me the psychologist. Yes. I handle the issues of the mind. Yes. You as the sexologist. Which has nothing to do with the mind whatsoever. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, I was going to say, you can handle the issues of, the, of sex. <laughs> okay, we'll talk about that. Actually, uh, because we get this question so often, I once did a YouTube video about it. Mm-hmm. It's on our YouTube channel, which is YouTube.com com slash marriage helper. Maybe even twice. I know at least I've done one video on that, but maybe twice where you can get a lot more information. But let me give you some of the highlights right here. Uh, what are the pros if you want to sleep and sleep here can actually be just sleep. We're sleeping in the same bed or it can be sex. Okay. Making love to each other. So what are the pros and what are the cons? Well, the pro has to do with intimacy. If you're in the same bed, it's creating some level of intimacy. If you're having sex with each other, obviously it's creating a level of intimacy. And just the very fact that you're near each other can produce some oxytocin. Oxytocin is a bonding chemical. It's actually the chemical that instigates childbirth in a female. A strong bonding chemical actually starts the childbirth process, uh, puts you into labor. And if the father is in the room when the child's being delivered, he'll have a burst of oxytocin as well. And so oxytocin is bonding, which will instantly bond you to that new child you just brought into existence. Well, just being close to each other, 
produces some oxytocin. The fact that you cuddle or hug each other produces oxytocin. Other than the amount generated to start labor, the greatest amount of oxytocin comes at orgasm. And it goes into you in two different ways. One into the autonomic nervous system and the other into your bloodstream as a hormone. So a bonding thing takes place if you're having sex with each other. So that's a pro. Another pro is your own fulfillment, as Kimberly mentioned to begin with. There are benefits to having sex. And if you want to do that for you, then why not? So you look at this and go, so there are all kinds of pros. And another, if your spouse is not having sex with somebody else, if you're just having some kind of distress, but neither one of you are having sex with anybody else, then to fulfill your sexual needs with each other offers some degree of safety. In other words, not worrying about venereal disease or things like that. But there are also some cons as well. Let me mention those very quickly. One is, if your spouse thinks that he or she can do whatever the heck they want to do, and that you're still going to climb into bed with them, it could be giving the wrong message. Like, I'm actually okay with the fact that you're having the affair. I'm actually okay with the fact that you're getting drunk every Friday night. Now, so you need to think about, okay, am I giving the wrong message? Another thing is, if indeed your spouse is involved with somebody else, then understand that uh, there may be potential health problems if you have sex with your spouse because you don't know what he or she might be picking up from that other person they're involved with out there. Or if there's more than one person, it makes it even worse. And so you need to stop and think about that. Sometimes I've heard of people doing this. Okay, I'll sleep with you, but first we have to do a few tests. I mean, medical tests. we got to make sure you don't have an STD, make sure you don't have AIDS. And if you're clean, then okay, I'll sleep with you again. And then the final con is don't do it if you think inside of your own brain, your own mind, that, oh, this means he or she is necessarily coming back. Because while it is a bonding process and it can help in the process of putting things back together, you can take some false hope from it thinking this is going to do some kind of miraculous thing. Now, Kimberly, in the, in the YouTube video, I talk a lot more about these, explain them more. But that's the brief version of the pros and cons. Mm-hmm. Uh, any questions or comments about those where we can make them clearer? You know, the only question I, I have at this point is, so how does someone know? I mean, we've given a lot of great pros. We've given a lot of great cons. And uh, I feel like people are probably still in the same boat they were in five minutes there's ago. There's no absolute. <laughs> yeah. It's still a matter of you making your own decision. And that's what you said to begin with. It should be your decision. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to do that, okay, I can handle it. So it's not going to be false hope. Okay, I feel safe because we're going to use a condom or because of the fact there's no other mm-hmm. partner. Okay, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Then, then you can do so if you wish. And if you don't think you're giving your spouse permission to go do something bad by giving the wrong message, it has to be your decision. There's no clear cut thing, but actually what I would recommend is back this video up or this recording, this audio, if you're hearing it that way and make a list. Okay. Under intimacy, oxytocin, your own fulfillment, safety, write down your thoughts and ideas about that with your spouse. Mm -hmm. And then on the cons, write down the likelihood of the wrong message. You know, am I really being protected health wise? And can I handle the false hope? Well, I get it where there is no false hope and make your own notes because people think better when they write Mm -hmm. than when they just think. So Mm -hmm. 
uh, and even when they talk, <laughs> they mm-hmm. think better if they write. And so I would suggest you sit down, take a piece of paper, draw two columns. Here's the reasons that might be good. Here are the reasons that might be bad. And then make your own decision. But go ahead. Okay. Now, do you think that a husband taking the the stereotype, I mean, it's more than a stereotype. It is true that that men tend to be more sexually driven. Like they tend to have a higher... You would know the actual word for it, but desire more frequency of sex and and all of those things. Generally, generally, you're right. Generally, so do you think a man would be more likely to say, "Yep, I'll sleep with my wife," but maybe he wouldn't if she was sleeping with other men? I'm processing this through in my head to see what this is like. I'm wondering if desire level, just desire level, even before the crisis happened, is going to make a difference how more sexually charged someone is, is going to make a difference in their decision they would make well, here. Well, of course, the stronger the libido, the greater the likelihood people okay. will want to do this. But interestingly, when it comes to men and women, when it comes to affairs, women tend to resent more the relationship that my husband had with this other person. Mm-hmm. And men tend to resent more the physical aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Like my wife was with another man. Mm-hmm. In, in that sense, it might be the man less willing to do so yeah. because my pride is so hurt by what you did. Mm-hmm. And again, everybody's different. Everybody's different, but it works like sure. that. Well, we have a few questions about this. And so one of our staff members is now going to read a question for us from a wife. And let's listen to that and then see if we can give a good answer. Hey, you guys, my name is Caroline and I work on the marketing team here at Marriage Helper. In my role, I typically work on email and our website to get people the resources they need. Dr. Beam and Kimberly have asked me to read a question that was submitted to us by one of our listeners. This person asks, how do I handle my husband who has left the house but still wants to have sex, still texts, and calls me to chat and flirt, etc.? He won't file for divorce but won't come home. My husband had an affair, emotional and physical, with a younger woman. He was ready to leave everything. What do I do? When a person has had an affair with someone else, if they go into what we call limerence, then some things happen in the brain. And one of the things that happen with brain chemicals is there's a decrease in serotonin. Now, when there's a decrease in serotonin, there's an increase in libido. And so that's why most affairs are not just emotional. They become sexual because the libido actually gets very strong in this thing called limerence. We've had many other videos about limerence you can check into on our YouTube channel and otherwise. We've got a lot of things about limerence out there. If indeed he were in limerence with this younger woman and now he does not have access to her anymore, either because he ended it or she ended it, or maybe only some access to her because they're not quite sure what they're going to do next, his libido will still be extremely strong because of the limerence. And what we have found with limerence is if I can't be with my LO, my limerent object, my increased libido may drive me to be with other people instead. And so the fact that he wants to come back and to have sex with you could, could, I'm not saying it definitely is because I don't know the specifics, but could be driven by the libido increase he's had because of what happened with her. Now, at that point, you might be saying, well, in that case, no way, I'm not going to sleep with him. But it still comes back to you. Now, if indeed you said he had an affair, so I'm going to assume it's over. If indeed that affair is over, he still might have some residual libido because of what happened. 
but the affair's over. And now he hasn't made a decision what he's going to do next with his life. And because he hasn't made that decision, you become the safe person. So that if he has sex with you, he's not worrying about STDs. He's not worrying about all kinds of things. He doesn't have to worry about even going out and somehow creating enough of a relationship to have sex with somebody. And so you become the safe outlet for that. Now, Kimberly is a female. Mm-hmm. How would you react to those things I just said about that? You know, I, I was actually reacting to it as I was listening to you talk. I, I don't think it would dissuade me if I heard because of the chemicals going off in his brain and in his body, it's leading him to have more of these desires I don't think I would view that negatively. In fact, I would, I would say, well, let me take advantage of these circumstances Mm -hmm. and play them in my favor as much as I can, Mm -hmm. because the serotonin dopamine responses, I mean, those are the natural reactions from what happened. Right. So you can't, you can fault him for having the affair, but you can't fault him for what's going on in his body from it. So use it. Take advantage of it. (laughs) And interestingly, often when a spouse is being abandoned, they have an increase in fear, which is associated with a decrease in serotonin. And so often their sex drive will go up as well. The spouse being abandoned will often have increased libido because of their fear that their marriage is going to be over. Interesting. So it really comes down to, do you want to sleep with him mm-hmm. for your own sake? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're thinking that sleeping with him is going to make him come home, it might it might not have any effect on it at all. Mm -hmm. So I certainly wouldn't do it as a manipulative tactic. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to have sex with him. So he'll be in love with me again. So he'll come back home. Everything's going to be wonderful after that. So think to yourself, if you're going to have sex with him, is it because you want to, because it benefits you in some fashion, or are you doing it because you're trying to avoid some negative consequence? Because when people do things to avoid a negative consequence, like he might not call, he might not text, he might not flirt, therefore, I've got to have sex with him to keep him involved, then that's basically an avoidance motive. You're doing it to avoid the negative consequence you think is going to occur. If you do that, it's going to decrease your own self-esteem. It's going to make you think less of you. So if you do it, do it for an approach motive, which basically says, here's how I benefit. This is what this will do for me. So Kimberly won't solve the process. It won't solve the problem, but it could start the process, right? Right. It could start the process, but it's just what we said a couple of minutes ago too. Don't get false hope either. Realize this may just be sex for now. Could be. And, and so you have to make that decision. So it could just be sex period from now on. Okay. But it could be the potential start of putting things right. back together. Right. And therefore, you can ask for a reciprocal favor. Now, let me clarify this because it's going to sound like manipulation to begin with. Don't say, I'll only have sex with you if you do blank. Mm-hmm. Because then it comes across as manipulation. But you could, if you choose to have sex with him, say, okay, uh, I'm actually enjoying sleeping with you as well. I like doing things that make you feel good and me feel good. I have a favor to ask. It's not a condition. It's not a requirement. It's not a trade. But here's a favor I have to ask. Would you go with me through the workshop that these folks have that uh, help marriages that are in crisis? And again, you're not trading because he'll resist that, get angry, get mad. But asking a favor by demonstrating that you're being generous to him, you can ask a favor for you. 
So Kimberly, our workshop is really not about sex, but why does it help people with their sex lives? Because we did a study once, uh, it was a very significant increase in sexual satisfaction within 90 days after our, our workshop. Mm-hmm. Now, since we didn't talk about sex, you're the psychologist. <laughs> why did that happen? I was actually just listening to a podcast yesterday with a psychologist. His name is Dr. Aaron, and he has done a lot of study on this correlation between, uh, well, I won't get into all of it, but, but the bottom line of it is he has done a lot of work of what makes love last. And he mentioned even in his, in his research that he's done that yes, sex is a good part of, of marriage, but it actually doesn't just have to be sex. Even just any kind of physical intimacy is great, but Mm -hmm. it, it has to be, it really only makes that much of a difference when there is a strong relationship foundation, when you have the good communication, when you have the, um, doing fun and exciting things together, when you have this, that, and the other, a lot of things that we talk about in Mm -hmm. our workshop. So our workshop is really building that foundation for you to have a great relationship that then when you have a great sex life on top of it can make your relationship the best that it could be. Mm-hmm. He calls them, um, what does he call them? Super happy couples. Super happy. Super happy couples. <laughs> I haven't run into that phrase. Super happy. Because we don't see a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, wor- the world we live in has a lot of very uh, right. uh, much in pain and trouble couples. Right. And so we would recommend that you actually consider coming to our, our workshop. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you come as a couple. And again, not demanding it. Don't manipulate. Don't force it. It'll, it'll backfire on you. But saying, I'm demonstrating my love for you. My demonstrating my, my wanting to help you. Would you be willing to do this for me? Particularly since he hasn't filed for divorce, but he doesn't come home. Means he's out there in what we refer to probably as the valley. And in that case, getting him to come to the workshop can be of great benefit to you. Mm-hmm. So, Kimberly, we have another question about sex from another wife and another of our staff members is going to read this for us. Hey, guys, my name is Jamie, and I work on the coaching team here at Marriage Helper. In my role, I am able to help support and strengthen marriages, helping to give hope where the individual may feel there is none. Dr. Beam and Kimberly have asked me to read a question that was submitted to us by one of our listeners. This person asked, how do I behave around my husband who is no longer in love with me in a way that doesn't push him away? My spouse wants a divorce, but we still share a bed. His love language is physical touch, but I feel that when I touch him, he pulls farther away. I don't know what to do. What Dr. Aaron, the psychologist I was listening to yesterday, what he actually did say was that it's not just sex and sexual intimacy that can lead to having a great relationship. It's any kind of physical touch from hand-holding to hugging, cuddling, all of those things. So we we know, going into this question, that what she's asking is, is appropriate. I mean, I just want to touch my husband. There's still a level of oxytocin that's let off when mm-hmm. that happens, bonding that can happen. But she's saying, when I touch him, he's pulling further away, and I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So in this case... I don't know that she should keep trying to touch him if he's repulsed no. by it. If he's reacting negatively to it, that's a push. But doesn't it kind of go back to what we were just saying before this question with when you build a good relationship foundation, it can lead to better physical intimacy. So is it a good place to start here in saying what's broken in the relationship that I need to fix so that he would be more willing for me to touch him? If if he's ready for that. 
If you look just at the specific question about he wants to still sleep in the same bed with me, if that's causing you uh, pain because of the fact that you can't touch him, then it makes sense that you tell him he has to sleep someplace else. But the very mm-hmm. fact that he's in the bed next to you, in my opinion, is better than if he's sleeping on the sofa or sleeping in the guest bedroom because it's still at least some kind of communication with you. Because it sounds to me like what's going on here is that this guy's conflicted, that <laughs> that he doesn't want you to touch him, but he wants to be in the same bed with you. And that makes it appear, at least to us, that he's not quite sure what he wants. So we would recommend that you use our smart contact, which means that you communicate with him in a way that can be open and honest without being pushing to him. And because of the fact that he wants to sleep in the same bed with you, I would say that if you could somehow find yourself patience, just wait a little bit. Because at some point, the sex drive within him is going to be pushing him to want to have sex. And unless he's fulfilling himself by himself in some fashion, you understand that every 72 days, for example, a new supply of sperm is developed within him. His body's doing that. And then he gets a message subconsciously to his brain that it's time to mate. Now, again, he may be taking care of that by himself, which is not the healthiest thing in the world in your situation by any means. But It can be, if you just pay attention, you might see when he finds himself a little bit more open to being attached, a little bit more amorous, if you will. And in those times, just to say something to him like, I realize you don't want me to touch you, uh, but is today a day where perhaps you can give me a quick hug? And if he says no, don't make a big deal out of it. Thank you for letting me ask. If he says yes, don't push it. Don't try to make the hug go 30 seconds if he wants it to go 10 You let him proceed at his own pace. So I say the good news is he's still in the bed with you. The bad news is that he doesn't know if he wants to be with you or not. It means he's conflicted. But conflicted, Kimberly, don't you think is a whole lot better than decisive when decisive is, I don't want to be with you. Yes, it is much better for him to be conflicted and living in that valley that that we've talked about other where the flip side of it would be he's out the door and gone. This is a situation many people would say they wish they had yeah, and that they were dealing with this. It's just a different set of obstacles to overcome. But it's also okay. If it becomes so frustrating with you that he's lying right next to you and you can't touch him, you can at some point ask him to go to another bed. We recommend that you stay in the situation you're in as long as you can and and hope for openings rather than stopping it. But that, of course, is your choice. Okay, so what are our key takeaways from today? Let's remember what the pros and cons are that we started off with this episode. First, the pros of sleeping with a straying spouse is that it helps to build intimacy. It releases oxytocin. You can get some degree of fulfillment and and it can lead to relationship safety, so to say, if your spouse isn't if neither of you are sleeping with other people and you are fulfilling each other's needs, then it adds a layer of protection, so to say. The cons, however, are that it could send the wrong message that they get to do whatever they want to do and still eat the cake as well. Health protection you need to consider. Is it safe? Do we need to get tested? Does he need to get tested? Does she need to get tested? because you don't want to get any kind of STD and will it give you false hope? And if it starts to 
make you think that things are moving in a direction that maybe your spouse doesn't, then maybe you emotionally can't handle it. Mm -hmm. So all of those are things to consider. The other one is remember the approach versus avoidance motives. If you decide to sleep with your straying spouse with an approach motive, you're going to be much better off in the long run instead of doing it with the avoidance motive, which as Dr. Joe talked about, can decrease your self-esteem over time. And then finally, it is your choice. It is always your choice and don't give that up. Well, what if I want sex with my spouse, but my spouse is sexually rejecting me? Kimberly and I will discuss that in the next episode of Relationship Radio. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Relationship Radio. Please refer to the notes in the description to learn more about any resources mentioned in this episode. Please visit our website at marriagehelper.com for more information about our online courses, marriage workshops, and coaching. We exist to help save marriages and strengthen families. We look forward to interacting with you on the next episode of Relationship Radio.